Thank you so much for joining me in this broadcast. We are talking about the unconditional love of God. I am so excited about this message. I tell you, it is growing all over the world like you can't believe. It is just popping up everywhere. And um, people are taking part in the true gospel of Jesus Christ. It brings true peace. That is not a message of condemnation or judgment. Amen. And that is what we are preaching here at Dynamic Love Ministries. The message of what Jesus Christ has done. Yesterday somebody phoned me and asked me, Bertie, you know, to tell me a bit more about the good news. And um, she's also sharing the good news in the Sunday school class. And I said to her, if you want to tell the kids um, and define good news, it's very easy for a child to understand. And it is this. If you... Uh, good news is what God has done for man. Bad news is what we must do for God to get God to smile over our lives. And let me say that again because that can help you a lot. It's just simple. Good news is what God has done for you to get you to be like God. Bad news is what you must do for God to become like God. So, any bad news type of, any message that puts the focus on what you must do for God, to get God to do things for you, is bad news. Now, we are going to put a focus on the good news today, talking about um, experiencing the truth, the power of belief, and the simple power of the gospel. And we're also going to have communion today, and I believe that you're going to just experience the power of the cross of Jesus Christ in your life today. Amen. Let's just pray together. Father, I want to thank you that we can be here together. Thank you for the honor and the privilege that I can preach this gospel all over the world, that people can hear this message, that we can make an impact in the lives of people by, sh- by, by sharing this gospel. And by that, you know, my God, we are not saying that we are something in our own works. We are what you've made us, and thank you for that. Holy Spirit, thank you that as I, as I preach today, that people's minds will just be opened up and that they will ex- experience the power of Jesus Christ in their lives in a great way. Amen. If you are a first time viewer of Dynamic Web Church, I want to welcome you. I want to encourage you to become part of Dynamic Web Church. Um, you know, if you're in an area where there is not a grace-based church in your area, I want to encourage you to become a member of of Dynamic Love Ministries or Dynamic Web Church. Uh, our membership is not, a, the, the focus is not to see how many members we can have, the focus is not to see how much money we can get out of you, but the focus is to help people and to get people to a place where we can share this message with them and see if they are established in this gospel. That's what we want to see. So I want to encourage you, um, if you've been thinking about this, if you've been pondering about this, um, I want to encourage you to become part of this contact our office, contact infodynamicministry.com and we would gladly help you and assist you with any and, and answer you any question you have concerning Dynamic Web Church. I also want to make this announcement. All our uh, Bible school students and um, Dynamic Web members um, in this week I will send a letter to every one of you that I want to get just a little bit more personally involved in your lives and start to just correspond with you on a personal level Um, so I know uh, you know it can be a a bit of a big task but that's what I feel in my heart to get to know you more personally you know we've got um, Elise that is also part of part of Web Church that is a web pastor in Canada and she's been doing most of that I also just feel in my heart that I want to get more involved in that so if you've got any question that you want to ask me 
on a personal level, you can email me at pastorbertie at dynamicministries.com. And I repeat that, it is pastorbertie at dynamicministries.com. I would love to answer questions that you have and um, just start to correspond with you on a personal level. I've got good news for everybody that's part of, Dynam- of, of 5 Minute Bible School that's, that's um, filled in or have completed it, even if you're not completed com- completely, if you're just halfway through, um, you, you know what it's meant to your life. You know how it's impacted your life. Uh, 5 Minute Bible School has now been translated into Zulu. Uh, you can go and watch under On Demand you will see that there is a, uh, I think it's Thursday's broadcast. Was it Thursday's broadcast? Thursday's broadcast where I had um, Pastor Linda Mabata with me in the studio and he did the whole translation. He was here and he recorded the five-minute sessions in Zulu. And um, we're going to just get this gospel of God's good news to the people in KwaZulu-Natal. You know that most of the people in South Africa is Zulu-speaking or understand Zulu. Um, I don't want to give figures, but I think it's like, 50% of the people can understand or speak Zulu. So if we don't do it in Zulu, and in KwaZulu-Natal there are many people that don't understand English. So this is really a breakthrough in that area for the gospel of grace, getting the message to those people. Hallelujah. And um, there's a businessman in Natal that has sponsored the translation of all this, and I thank God for him. My brother, um, if you watch this sometime, I want to thank you for that. Uh, and doing that and we are just working together in a wonderful way bless God for that so that is exciting news people to think that uh, the the first distribution of the Bible school is going to be to a hundred leaders now think for yourself a hundred leaders getting the gospel of grace that they can go and distribute and preach in their congregations and you know the time, I, I just see, you know, there was a time when people really opposed this, but most people today are grabbing a hold of this message. You always get your stubborn guy here and there, but most people are really grabbing a hold of this message. And uh, we are seeing such a powerful impact all over the world. We get testimonies on a daily basis. I want to encourage you, go under testimonies and read the testimonies that, that, that we receive. Every month we update um, test, uh, updated with new testimonies. Like I said, we get testimonies on a daily basis. Hallelujah. Like you can see, we're going to have communion today. So um, you can just quickly run and, 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 and grab a piece of bread and uh, get a glass with wine, water, coffee, tea, whatever you want to put in there, do it. It's just a sign of, of what Christ has done for us, a resemblance. And uh, we're, going to, um, we're going to talk about the communion as well today. Now... Um, let me just think, is there, any, is there any other announcements you can think of? Right. Okay, let's go to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. I've been talking about finances for a very long time, and I've put the focus on, you don't have to do anything to get God to bless you. And that stays the same. We are not under the law. We are not preaching a message that says you must pay your tithe, sow money into a ministry, sow money into dynamic love ministries or any ministry so that you can prosper. We don't even teach, um, like I said, sowing and reaping <coughs> at all. We believe in giving though. And, uh, and, and like I said, for two years I've, I've given a message that says I am not uh, that we don't have to give in order to prosper or to be blessed. 
Um, but I feel that I want to touch on, and I've also mingled it in, in between all the time, but we're going to put a bit of a focus on giving. How does giving work in the New Testament? And uh, we, uh, let, let's just, yeah, we can quickly run into Philippians, and then go to, um, then we're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Philippians here, Paul says, um, from verse 10, But I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at last your care for me, has flourished again, wherein you were careful, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, and I want to say this clearly to you, um, that I am not speaking in respect of want. I will rather, and I make this clear, I will rather uh, uh, go and get a job, and work, and preach the gospel, than come to you with the, uh, with the, from the perspective of want. Well, I'm preaching this because I want you now to give to me and I want to encourage you to give because I've got this hidden agenda. I'm not doing that. If that is what you are picking up, my friend, just rebuke the devil because he's speaking to you. Um, it is, it's, not, it's not like that. Right, it says, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learnt in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. So, uh, as a foundation, I am content. Bertie Brits today is content with what he has. He thanks God for um, what he's got. You know, I thank God when, I mean, when the one camera broke, we could plug another one in there. Bless God. So, um, we are content. I'm content to broadcast the way I'm broadcasting. I'm content with what I have. Amen. Um, so I'm not speaking in respect of want. And this is what Paul says. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That word strengthen is the same word used in the Greek where it says you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, it's the same word, root word there, dunamis. It says, we have received uh, power through Christ which empowers me. I can do all things. I can be happy when I have and I can be happy when I don't have. So, I don't come with speaking about uh, receiving or, or, or giving money in how we give in the New Testament with a perspective of I want money from you. Okay, um, notwithstanding, you have done well that you did communicate with my affliction. So, even if I am not saying, um, even if I'm not expecting you to give, giving, and if somebody gives, it's not a bad thing. That's what it says. It says, let me read verse 13 again. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. I am not speaking in respect of want. Verse 11. I know how to go through good times and bad times and have full joy. Okay? To the point that I am in need of nothing. And then it says, notwithstanding, in other words, um, uh, uh, it doesn't take away from uh, the goodness of giving. So, the fact that you give doesn't make it now bad, because uh, a person is content like Paul was content, the fact that they gave, he didn't rebuke them and say, well, that was actually wrong. So, he said, listen guys, you did a good thing. Uh, now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For in Thessalonica you sent to me twice, not because I desired the gift, 
But I desire fruit that may abound to your account. That, that abound to your account. But I have all and abound and am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable and well pleasing to God. So what is he saying here if we want to bring the thing out well balanced so that you can see what it truly is? It's very simple. Paul comes and he says, listen, um, and listen, whenever, and I've seen people on television the other day spoke about finances, they say they've got these weeks and weeks of, of rallying, getting finances for the television station. And you know, every time they did this with this big smile, and they came and they confessed, they said, you know, I want to tell you that it is not nice to talk about money. So I want to say the same thing. And I see Paul in his writings had the same thing. It is not nice to talk about money, not because it's actually difficult, or we cannot be empowered by the Holy Spirit to talk about finances, but because of people's warped ideas about finances, because of the way people make money their God. That's why it's difficult to talk about money, because people, people easily say, well, you know, um, you just want money, and then I don't want to hear anything of your gospel. And we're going to get to that in First Corinthians, and that's what Paul actually said. He said, I never spoke about money to you. Because I was, uh, um, I was uh, uh, concerned that it will damage or bring, bring harm to the spreading of the true word of God to you. Therefore, I have rather worked. So, and then, he, he, and then later on he came in, in Corinthians and he wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and did give them the correct teaching about finances. Because people need to know it. There's some things that's ordained of God in how the, the kingdom of God works. And what he was actually saying here is, guys, I, I, my vision is not to get money out of you, number one. Number two, you have given this giving that comes without me prompting you all the time to give. And you, you just do it because of, you just did it because of the word that's already in you bringing forth fruit. And that's it. Amen. So I want to say to you that Paul's life was changed. You know, like the, the other day I spoke to somebody over the phone and um, he's got a friend that is, uh, that's got a drug problem. And I said to him, listen, um, you know, this friend phoned me and spoke to me about things and, and he needs help. So I said to him, okay, I will... Um, he said to me, thank you for telling me. So I said, listen, if the guy wants to buy the stuff, why don't you encourage him not to do it? He says, well, you know, he's going to buy it anyway, so for me to encourage him is not going to... People do whatever they want. And that is foolishness, thinking that the effect that somebody can have on somebody else's life is just nothing. In the same way, the giving of finances does have an effect in the lives of people. It affects ministries. It affects the life of a poor person. If somebody's income is a hundred rand a month, or ten dollars a month, that's a beggar, and you give him twenty dollars, he has, <laughs> it, to him it feels the same as somebody that gets three thousand dollars a month, and all of a sudden gets six thousand dollars a month. So it's like a double the income. It does have an effect. He can go and buy bread. He can go and, and, and do some things with it. So that's what Paul was actually saying. He says, I didn't speak of any want. I don't have any need. 
But don't be deceived and think, because I don't have a need, that finances cannot, and the giving of money doesn't have an effect in the lives of people. If you go to 1 John chapter 4, Paul said, if you see your brother doesn't have, and you don't give to him, and you do have, in what way will the love of God then dwell in you, if it cannot be manifested in some way? that does have an effect on the lives of people. Amen. So I want to tell you that you don't give because you're manipulated by somebody. You don't give because... Chapter 9. Um, let me just quickly share with you what Paul said here. Paul was under scrutiny of people. You know, I feel sorry for... Well, I don't have to feel sorry for him now. He's already in heaven. Um, you know, I had pity... I feel pity for the way people treated Paul. People came in and begged money, made demands on money and everything. Paul never begged for anything. He did teach on finances and we can see that in his writings. But he never begged for anything. He never came and said, well, if you give me a hundred rand, then you're going to get a thousand rand. He never got into that. He labored and worked because he was so sincere in preaching the gospel. <laughs> and then people came when somebody else did give to him and start to gossip about him and say, you know, he's just in the thing for the money. And they thought that the other, other apostles that walked with Jesus had a right, and even, uh, yeah, they had a right to stop to work, but Paul didn't have a right to stop to work. Because the others walked with Jesus, you know, and they must be busy with the things of God. But Paul, oh, you just a nothing. And they didn't see what was in his mouth. They didn't see what was in his mouth. And now he comes in his own defense, basically. And he shares, the, shares from chapter 9, verse 1. He says, Am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are not you my work in the Lord? So because you see, the reason why he says, Have I not seen Jesus my Lord? Is because they believed that those who walked with Jesus was in a higher authority than Paul. And Paul, Jesus appeared to him as well. He said, well, what actually in that one verse he says, I'm on the same level as these other guys. If you want to talk about things that happened to you. He says, if I be not an apostle unto others, yet doubtless I am unto you, for the seal of my apostleship are you in the Lord. My answer to them that do examine me is this. Have we not power to eat and to drink? You see, there were people that, listen to this, there were people that examined Paul, the apostle, and found fault with him. <clears throat> so, <laughs> you know, we, well, let's continue this. Verse 4. Have we not power to eat and to drink? Have we not power to lead about a sister, a wife, as well as the other apostles and our brethren of the Lord and Cephas? So, I mean, even Paul, he couldn't have a wife. They con complained, you know, if he would want a wife and travel around with her. I don't know why they complained, but that's what they did. Or, I, uh, or I only and Barnabas, have we not, have not we power to forbear working? Who goes to war? Now, listen to this. Who goes to, who goes to war at any time at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard and eats not the fruit thereof? And who feeds a flock and eats not the milk of the flock? Say I these things as a man? Or say not the law the same also? So he even goes and says, I, I'm not um, just trying to say this out of my own power. Even the law says it. Even the law says that. So if you want to think I'm a sinner, 
then you're actually going to say the law is a sin, is a sin because it's the law says that. For it's written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle the mouth of the ox that treads out the corn. Does God take care of oxen? Now the Greenpeace guys would just flip out there, verse 10, or take, or, or say he it altogether for our sakes. For our sakes, no doubt, this is written. That he that ploweth should plow in hope, and he that threshes in hope should be a partaker of his hope. If we have sown unto you spiritual things, is it a great thing if we reap your carnal things? So people, (laughs) if somebody ministers the gospel of grace to you, and somebody else gives to him, and just gives to that person out of the love of his heart, is it a great thing? You know, I had uh, somebody give me a a while ago, and many of you know about this, uh, a motorbike worth 100,000 rand. And I heard other people yap yap about it, and saying, well, that's that's wrong, and this and that. You know what? I have given and I have sown into that guy's life, spiritually, a lot. With great effort, I've taught the gospel of grace to him. I never begged him for anything, never asked him for anything. And out of the abundance of the word of God in his heart, it abounded and he gave in love. And then others say it's wrong. It's not wrong. If you feel in your heart that you want to give to some ministry, If it is this ministry, if it's the church you go to, if it's a preacher on television, some other guy you see, and you do it, it is not wrong. You can do it. It is the leading of God, provided you are not not prompted by, you know what, your needs are going to be met if you give. Um, You feel manipulated because you want your children to be healed when you give. You want big business in future because and that's why you give no no that's not if I'm talking about a pure heart a sacrifice acceptable to God amen and the law sacrifice is not acceptable to God the only sacrifice is acceptable to God is Jesus Christ and when we give out of that sacrifice and a revelation of that sacrifice then we give it in the correct way if we have sown unto you spiritual things, is the great thing if we reap your carnal things? If others be partakers, of, be, partakers of, be partakers of this power over you, are not we rather? Nevertheless, we have not used this power, but suffer all things, lest we should hinder the gospel of Christ. So, I think, and this is what Paul said, he said that he didn't want to be a burden on people, he didn't want to be a hindrance for the gospel, so he didn't make use of that power. So, in other words, he didn't come around and say, well, you know, um, I can, I can, I've got a right to reap material things of you, so it's time that you start to give. And if you think I'm saying that, my friend, you're wrong. I'm not saying that, I'm just teaching you what Paul taught the people. And I'm saying to you today, I'm not making use of that right. I'm not saying, you know, well, it's time that you start to give to this ministry. I'm not saying that. Because I don't want it to be a hindrance to you. But it doesn't help. We are so against giving because we've been so hurt in the law. Like, you know, uh, uh, I've seen now somebody that I talked to about healing. He is so, he, I believe this guy had to get hurt somewhere about healing, that he didn't get healed, or his wife or somebody close to him didn't get healed. And he got so offended that he believes healing doesn't exist anymore today. 
So it doesn't help we something has been preached wrong and twisted. And now we get so much offense and we are in such a rebellion against that that we cannot see the truth. And we are hindering the working of the Spirit in our hearts. So you might have been hurt so much concerning tithing and sowing and reaping and you might have been so against that that you think that all giving is wrong. That whenever you feel the prompting of the Spirit to give that you feel, no, that cannot be of God that you somehow get upset. No, my friend. Um, <laughs> people came and, and under the law people gave a lot and a lot of them gave with joy how will it be wrong if you are in grace under no law, under no condemnation under no judgment to just obey the new nature of God that is in you can't be wrong, it is a good thing verse 13 do you not know that they which minister about holy things live off the things of the temple and they which wait at the altar are partakers with the altar. Even so has the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live off the gospel. But I have used none of these things, neither have I written these things, that it should be so done unto me. And I want to just put Bethy Bridge in there. I have used none of these things, neither have I am I preaching these things, that it should now be done unto me. For it were better for me to die that any man should make my glorying void. For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yes, woe unto me, if I preach not the gospel. So what is Paul actually saying here, and what am I saying to you today? I'm not preaching this gospel. Paul was saying this, I'm not preaching this gospel to make a living out of the gospel. I'm preaching this gospel because necessity is laid upon me. But as I preach this gospel, there are those that do give and it is not wrong. But the vision is not to make a life or a living out of the gospel. But the way it works, and it says here that even so the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live off the gospel. So we don't do that with a, with a mindset of, well that's my business and that's what I want to do for a living to get money out of it. It is just ordained that when we preach, we will find that people do give, and that is not wrong. So my friend, I want to tell you, be free in Jesus' name. This is the truth of the gospel. If you want to uh, interpret the law system into grace, do it as Paul did. He said, you can't muzzle the ox. Why? He's talking about us. He talks about those that work with those utensils and things at the altar. They also lived uh, out out of that. He never used tithing or sowing and reaping. Never. Because the tithe was, was not a sign of provision for the preacher. More the, the, this thing of working on the altar and then being blessed. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, uh, we are not going to um, have worship in, in the service anymore. Now, I want to explain why. <clears throat> not because I'm against singing. Not because I believe uh, worship is not good. Uh, it is just a simple practical ar- arrangement. All our messages from now on that we do um, uh, in, in the Sunday archive, in the Sunday, well, it's already been being uploaded. It's just so much easier to upload if we don't have worship in it. And I don't want to go into, into reasons for that. And all our daily messages will also be uploaded onto our website. Because I realized we are losing so much valuable material because we upload it only on Grace Stream TV. And then we, after a while, delete it. 
but now we can directly link it to the website as well, upload it to the website. So that is why we, we are not going to do it. So if you want to have worship as part of the service, I want to encourage you, just before the, the service, just listen to two or three songs and that will bless you because I do believe in the power of that. Now we're going to see how this works. If this doesn't work, we might change back to the previous system. Right, let's get into the word for today. Father, I want to thank you that what I'm about to share is going to be powerful and it will touch the lives of people and people will come to a deeper understanding or, Father, they will take the deep understanding they have and apply it to every area of their life. In Jesus' name, Amen. Right, Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, a well-known scripture. I want to talk a little bit about um, the power of belief. The power of belief. When, when, we have a, a, when we believe a word, that word carries power in our lives. The power of the gospel in your life is directly linked to if you believe it or not. If you believe it, it will have power. If you believe that word, you will feel that word. If you believe that word, you will experience that word. If you don't believe it, you will not experience that. Let me explain to you. I've used it this week, basically in every session, but some of you don't have time to watch every day's message, so I'm going to just mention it here as well. If, if I take a tape recorder, or let me put it this way, if I tell you, you know, that in that area where you stay, people start to murder people. And I start to tell you, you know, Auntie so-and-so, five houses from you, they robbed her. You know, and they've beaten her badly. Now, you haven't spoken to her, you just hear this word. And I said, what happened was, they heard voices, you know, outside the house at night. And then all of a sudden, they broke into the house and uh, 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 stole their stuff and, and beat them up. If you have that information in your mind, you will immediately feel something if you believe it. If you don't believe it, and I take a, a, a recording of people walking outside the house, and I play it at your window without you knowing it's a recording, do you know what you will experience? You will experience the presence of those thieves, even if they are not there. You will feel it. <laughs> it will be real to you. It will be something that you feel and experience that um, alters your thought pattern, that, that forces you to make certain decisions, that alters your behavior and your reaction and what you do. From where you were planning to sleep, all of a sudden you are wide awake, you are so oversensitive, you, you walk in the house, you grab a gun, you think of phoning the police, things that you would never think about at two in the morning. But because of what you hear, connected to a certain word, you experience the presence of something that might not even be there. So, just in words alone, now listen to me. <clears throat> Words alone has got great power. Just simple words. And that is even without the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Just simple words has got great power. And the power of a word 
is not in the word itself, but in what it says. If I tell you, and I've used this example before, if I tell you somebody won the lotto, I mean, what would you think about that? Yeah, that word has got power. But let me just add another word. Now, the anointing is not on this word, my friend. This is simple, word, worldly words. I'm telling you, somebody won the anointing. You say, oh, won the anointing, won the lotto. <laughs> what, what does that mean? You'll say, what does that mean, somebody won the lotto? And I said, listen, you know that somebody is you. <laughs> that word, just the word you and lotto, changes the whole thing and empowers that word with power that will change where you live, even before you re- get the money. It will immediately change what you do. It will bring great joy. You'll start to jump up and down. You'll start to make phone calls. You'll have great happiness. It will change your whole life. It might even be a lie. But it has got impact. Now, Romans chapter 1 verse 16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes it. So, I can preach the gospel to you and you cannot believe it and it will have no effect whatsoever in your life. But when the gospel message is believed, it has got great effect in your life. It changes how you think. It changes what you hear. It changes what you see. It changes how you perceive things. The gospel has changed my life in how I see things. When I look at somebody, um, like I told you, uh, uh, one of my friends, somebody came to him and said to him, Listen, uh, help me, pray for me, I want to get off uh, cigarettes, I'm smoking. The guy said to him, one of my friends said to this guy, you don't need to get rid of, you don't need to stop to smoke. What you need is a revelation of who you truly are. So, the, because what he knows is, once somebody believes that, he is already free. He will walk away in freedom. Without even trying. So many times people, they've got problems and they, they go through hard times. And I do believe, and, and, and I've got a great time for um, sharing with people on a one-to-one basis. And you know, so many times we've just thrown the whole counseling thing out of the window. There's great place for counseling. There's great place for sharing with people on a one-on-one basis. If the vision of that counseling is not to, to seek out the past sins but to get somebody to to understand the gospel of grace, where it is where we take the gospel and make it applicable to different areas of people's lives. Amen. So there's there's great place. So don't think that I I, I say, well, you can never phone us and in our ministry and and in our web church, we're not going to counsel anybody. That is nonsense. We're not saying that. But what I'm saying is that there is great power in the revelation of, of what Christ has done, and when you start to believe it, it will have effect in your life. So, the effect in your life is directly connected to if you believe the gospel or not. When I counsel somebody, or when I speak to somebody, when I listen to him, because of what I believe, the way I look at what he says is completely different 
to somebody else that will believe something different than what I believe. If a grace person counsels somebody and a law person counsels somebody, the law person sees something and the grace person sees something. The law person listens to this guy and sees his sin. Things he's done wrong so that he is now cursed. And thinks that if he can get this person to confess his sin and stop his wrong behavior, that that guy now will change and that is the answer. And his whole counsel will be towards that. With the grace guy, when he looks at that person, his whole vision is to see how can I get this person to feel loved, feel accepted and come to the realization of what has happened 2000 years ago concerning his life. What I will hear is, I will hear unbelief. That's what I will hear. I will hear where this person is not believing the true message then the action that I have will be to get him to believe that good news without condemning him and bringing a sin consciousness to his life. So, the moment we are in grace, we see things different. Our whole experience in life is different. Every message we listen to is different. I tell you, when I listen, uh, when I watch uh, Christian television and somebody preaches grace... I mean, this guy might not even be eloquent in his words. It will just bring joy to me because of the power that is in the Word. Hallelujah. It's all about a certain message. You know, one of my friends phoned me and, and um, he had a, the church that he was in was a grace church. And the leader thought it good to become one with the law church. And then the pastor of the, the, the church that was under the law, or that's in, under the law, is the leader of the whole thing. This friend of mine phoned me and said to me, Bertie, I cannot live with this. All the sights and the side things outside the word makes me tired. Now, um, I mean, and I'm talking about such things that people do so that people can think they are anointed. He says, I'm just wanting one thing, and that is that gospel. For that word is anointed. So, my friend, the power of the gospel in your life is directly linked to your belief of that gospel and your persuasion of that gospel. That is why we cannot give one inch one millimeter, one centimeter to, to the law in our lives. We only want to hear the gospel of grace because that is the power that God has in our lives. Amen. So, the power of the gospel is directly linked to our persuasion of the gospel. And I want to say to you that I am persuaded of the gospel. I don't want to testify of myself, but this is what I, I mean, I don't know anybody else. And, and how to ex- use this example in the life of somebody else. In my life, I believe that the Word of God is anointed. And that's it. If an atheist takes the, takes the gospel of Jesus, if an atheist comes and he, he writes down what Jesus Christ has done, and he sends that letter, or emails that to millions of people over the world, even if he doesn't believe it, 
even if he hates God with all his heart, but if he took the gospel message and he writes down, man sinned, one man sinned, and therefore all became sinners. And one man, but one man, Jesus Christ came, and he obeyed on behalf of all of man, bringing righteousness as a free gift to all of man. And whosoever believes this will experience this power. Amen. If an atheist writes that and sends that to people, I tell you, you'll find people getting saved out of that because of the anointing of that word. Because of the anointing of that word. I want to tell you, my brother, if you want to see the power manifestation in your life, if you want to be anointed, you need to have the word of God in your mouth. Just have the word. You don't have to try and have anything else. On my blog, I've posted some things now on, on healing. And even if you're a friend on Facebook, you can go and watch uh, the, the, the latest, I think I call it not so spiritual, but, um, but blessed or something. I can't remember what I called it, but wonderful. Not so spiritual, but wonderful. It's the last thing that I wrote yesterday. I posted it. Go and read that and look at all the comments there. Um, uh, th- that we've made concerning the supernatural and healing and all of that. But let me, tell you, let me tell you something. The source of, the, of, of experiencing the power of God is in believing that this word is true. If I never, if I never get healed, if I never prosper, if I am poor all my life in jail, I can have the same joy and I will have the same joy as what I have today. Because this word is the power of God. The power of this word is not manifested in what happens in my life. The power of this word, my friend, is manifested and was manifested 2,000 years ago when human flesh was raised up out of corruption into immortality being the representative of man. So don't come with, listen, the Bible says we prophesy in part because we know in part. Then I want to say we pray in tongues in part because we know in part. We heal in part because we know in part. So let's not take what is in part and that will pass away and make that our measurement of what has happened in the cross. The reality of what happened in Jesus Christ, if you want to use a miracle as a sign, don't use the miracles that happens in our lives daily. And those miracles happened yesterday, day before yesterday, I prayed for my sister that's in the studio here today, and she got healed. So, I can't say, I can't say well, miracles doesn't happen. They happen every day. But that miracle is not the power of God. The gospel message is the power of God unto salvation and it is the only power of God unto salvation. Out of that power we see miracles. But that miracle to me is not the power of God. The gospel is the power of God. And if I want to look at something that's truly anointed and truly powerful, there's only one thing we can look at and that is the resurrection of dead human flesh unto an immortal life which is the resurrected Christ which is your life. (laughs) If that doesn't make you happy my brother I don't know. Let me put it to you this way. 
if that doesn't make you happy, I've got a scripture for you in 2 Corinthians that says, if this gospel is hid, it's hid to those that are lost, in whom the God of this world has blinded your mind through the law. And that's it. As easy as that. The, this message is the gospel. It is the, 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 the beginning and the end that we're not going to change from. We're not going to alter this. Hallelujah. We must realize that in the preaching of this word, it's got great effect in the lives of people. And many people are out there, you're not testifying, you're not witnessing, you're not sharing the gospel with anybody, although you are very excited about this. You hear this good news, you say, wow, hallelujah! But you're not talking to anybody about it, because you are under the illusion that you must get some super duper feeling from somewhere, before you can preach the gospel. It's a lie! You don't have to wait for your anointing, the word is anointed preacher. And then the Bible says in 1 John that every one of us has got an anointing and we need nobody to teach us. It's about what are you doing? I'm not teaching you anything. I'm confirming what you know. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And to those that haven't known this, this is a teaching. And now you've received this anointing, which is the Word of God. Amen. The Holy Spirit comes upon us and He brings into manifestation this. And the Spirit of God has been poured out on all flesh. That's what the Bible says. It says, in the last day I'll pour out my Spirit on all flesh. So the Holy Spirit is close to all of us. Acts chapter 17, Paul went to the heathen that doesn't believe. That's got these, these um, uh, statues, they're worshipping statues. And one of those false gods, there was written that by one of those false gods, that one of the followers wrote there, in Him we live and move and have our being. And Paul preached out of that. And said, I see that you've got a part of the truth there. In Him we live and move and have our being. And He has come close to all of us. So this thing of God is there in the heaven somewhere, my friend. And I must wait to pull down something until I get that feeling because I can, before I can go and preach to somebody. Get rid of that lie forevermore. Take this gospel. It is anointed. It is full of the power of God. Put it in your mouth. Share with somebody. Do you know how powerful it is if you can go to somebody and say to him, My friend, I want to declare to you in the name of Jesus... All your sins has been forgiven 2,000 years ago. And what is keeping you in bondage is the lie of sin telling you you must still be set free. And you tell him, if you want to stop with this thing, you can because you're already free and you can just walk away from it for you have been set free. And when you believe that word, you find the power of that simple freedom manifesting in your life. Hallelujah. And I've said it in, in, in the, 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 the last two weeks and I've said it many times. Um, I experience God all the time. Hallelujah. I experience Him all the time. So, but Bertie, you know, I wish I can get to that place. My friend, you don't have to get to that place. <laughs> Let me explain this thing to you again. If you are told that there are thieves in your neighborhood and you hear the voice, voices of thieves next to your window, what will you experience? You'll experience the presence 
of that thief. Why? I mean, he's been, he might have been there all the time. You never experienced anything. But when you heard a word, you experienced it. You lived in your neighborhood very safe. No problems. Then somebody comes and says, they broke in there, they broke in there, they broke in there. All of a sudden, all the time, you're fearing, I must be careful, I must lock. You feel that fear down, deep down there somewhere, all the time. An underlying fear, all the time. If you live in, jo- in Johannesburg, certain places in Johannesburg, South Africa, man, you feel that underlying fear all the time because of the word of that area. If you live in Lagos, Nigeria, I was even at one of the uh, 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 man, greatest men of God uh, with great anointing and all that, if there's greater men of God than other, I'm just talking in a worldly sense here. Um, and I went to his church and even him, has got the sense of, you don't go outside this place. God would even warn people, and say, don't go out of the building there. You know? Because it is dangerous. So, there's a word there, that there's, and there's an underlying thing in our minds. Why? Because of that word. And all the time, people experience a little bit of fear. Now, if we can walk all the time, experiencing a little bit of fear, empowered by a negative word, why do we now have to get to a place where we experience God and have a meeting where we feel God? Just believe the gospel all the time, you feel God all the time. (laughs) Is that too simple? This is it, man. This is the gospel. I feel God all the time. I even feel God when I kick the dog. I feel God all the time. Because I have not stopped to believe this message. And the belief and the faith that's in this message comes and originates out of the truth of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So for me, not to feel God, there's certain things that needs to happen. I either have to take my ear away from the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the first thing. Or, (laughs) if I continue to listen to the gospel, for me not to experience God, God needs to cease to exist. So my friend, we don't have to come to a place where we are chasing the presence of God. What I want to tell you is that The presence of God is in you always and He will never leave you and He will never forsake you. All that you can do is enjoy it. It's like with with, with me and and Helena and Joseph Prince also said it on on Grace Stream TV. Um, You know, she's not... Let's talk about a perfect marriage. She's never going to leave me. She's never going to forsake me. She's with me all the time. It doesn't mean I never talk to her. I mean, here she is present. When we go here, we're going to eat together. We're going to, I mean, we're going to enjoy each other's presence. So I'm not saying we cannot cultivate the presence of God. But how can we say, well, I don't feel the presence of God? It's just a statement of unbelief. That's all. My friend, I want to tell you, go and check your heart. As a believer in the gospel of grace, you have been experiencing the 
presence of God all the time. But the word of unbelief that came to you that says, well, you know, you must get this thing that must come down on you so that you can feel the presence of God, has numbed your feeling for the presence. You being cheated and out of the truth of what you already experienced. Well, amen. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Let's go to Romans chapter 6. Let me tell you, my friends, we need to, we need to, um, when we believe the gospel, this gospel is everything. We don't believe the gospel in part and say, well, you know, I believe this thing of Jesus, it is just a theory. (laughs) I want to make the statement, the gospel cannot be a theory. It's impossible. The gospel cannot be a theory. This guy that I spoke with on, on uh, um, uh, Facebook that is against miracles and says it's just a false gospel. He believes the gospel of grace and emotionally he prospers. It's going very well with him. He's happy. He's preaching the word. He's got great joy in his heart. Maybe he's got an issue with healing. But we can easily say that he's got this dead gospel. How do you measure the life of the gospel? How do we measure the life of the gospel? The way we measure the life of the gospel is 2,000 years ago in the resurrection of Christ. And now if somebody preaches that word, the power is in the word. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, I want to say this, and I've said this on the blog. I believe that in these last days, there's an overemphasis on signs, wonders, and miracles as a proof of what we have in Christ. People are chasing after miracles. They are chasing after those miracles all the time. Now, today we're going to see miracles. There are people that's going to partake in the communion. We're going to uh, uh, see the power of God. Like I said, yesterday my sister got healed here. Prayed for her. God touched her. She testified the next day. Well, God is healed. And I feel much better. I prayed for my kids last week. God healed them. You know, so we see, uh, uh, we see miracles all the time. We get testimonies upon testimonies of people getting healed. We're not against miracles. But to have this supernatural, uh, uh, unhealthy desire for phenomena is wrong. We are not in the um, we, we are not in the entertainment business, or in the uh, uh, how, how can I say it? You know, we we are not here to try and have feel good clubs. You know. Just give me another dose so I can feel good a little bit better by some supernatural power. Man, that is the same. Listen, if we have our joy based in miracles. Now you might say, Bertie, I don't have my joy based in miracles. Okay, stop to see miracles for two years. And see if your joy changes. Pray for the sick and see if they don't get healed. And see what happens. You're going to feel you're not anointed anymore. You're going to feel there's something wrong between you and God. If that is what you feel, my friend, 
then you are not where you are supposed to be in your understanding of the gospel of grace and the anointing of Jesus Christ. Jesus sat in the desert. He sat there with no proof of anointing. He didn't have money. He didn't have food. He didn't have clothes. I'm sure depression was knocking at His door. To the point that the Son of the living God could start to doubt that He is the Son of God. To the point where God could start to doubt that He's God. And then Satan came and said, well, just one miracle, if I can just see one miracle out of you, and that's how he tempted Jesus. And so many times we say that. You know, we go to crusades, we say, if I can just see one miracle again, oh, hallelujah, it will bring great joy to me. Repent. Repent. And I'm not a man that's against miracles. And the other day I went and I... I, I we, we have seen more... <laughs> We've seen thousands and thousands of miracles and we will still see thousands and thousands of miracles. But let me tell you something, my friend. I'm not finding my joy in a miracle. If it happens, I'm not more happy. If it doesn't happen, I am not sad. The apostles came to Jesus. They said, oh Jesus, oh hallelujah. You know, the demons are subject to us in your name. Jesus said, why are you happy about those things? There's a greater re- reason for joy than that. So, miracles is not an indication of anything. All the miracle is, is a healing of somebody. Amen. And it's a sign of the power of the world to come. But it's not a sign of who I am. It's not a sign of who you are, my friend. And many people disqualify themselves because they don't walk in the supernatural, miraculous power of God and say, I cannot preach the gospel, I cannot share the word of God with people, I cannot go out and mean something in this world for, I cannot get a sick person healed. And that there's a gospel going around these days that if you don't have signs, wonders and miracles in every one of your, whenever you talk to people, that there's something wrong with you. And it is not the true gospel. We don't believe that. That is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ is a certain message. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not a manifestation of miracles. That's not where the gospel is. We are not preaching miracles. We are preaching Jesus Christ. And out of that we also see the power of people receiving miracles. Amen. Hallelujah. Um, let's just go to Romans chapter 6 and I'm just going to hammer this thing away. <clears throat> um, explaining the death we died in Jesus. It says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into His death? Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised from the dead, by the glory of the Father. Even so, we also should walk in newness of life. For we have been planted together in the likeness of His death, and we shall also be in the likeness of His his resurrection. Knowing this, that the old man is crucified with Christ, the law man is crucified with Christ. That the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth, 
we should not serve sin. <laughs> oh, thank you, Jesus. You know, just reading that scripture brought more, more joy to me than when I prayed for a lady in Canada that was almost completely blind in her one eye. And she got healed instantly. I was happy for that. I, I'm not saying I wasn't happy. I, I was happy. But reading this brought greater joy. Thank you, Jesus. There was more anointing in this. If I wanna, if there's a more or less anointing. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for that. People, we need to realize that the gospel of Jesus inside our mouths is the presence of God in this world. Amen. I want to encourage you, my friend. Take this gospel. Preach this gospel. Number one, believe this gospel. Let this gospel empower you to understand this gospel and to preach this gospel and share this gospel with people. Let this gospel empower you that you can not, that you will not be a servant of sin anymore. What is a servant of sin? A servant of sin is somebody, let me just move this chair uh, in a better place here. A servant of sin is somebody that goes uh, um, under the burden of sin. That is sins, doing things wrong, and also the ministration of condemnation that tells you you don't qualify all the time. Amen. So, when we preach the gospel, we are not preaching a gospel where we tell people how disqualified they are. We are telling people how God has qualified them and made them qualified. That would make them qualified in Corinthians is has set them up. How God has set you up for blessing. How blessed you are. How qualified you are. When I teach people how to go and pray for the sick and how to go and minister the gospel, um, you know, there were people from the Dutch Reformed Church that came to, um, to one of our outreaches. I've test about, testified about this before. They came to one of our outreaches and when they, uh, um, <clears throat> when they came, I mean, these people didn't know anything about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. They didn't know anything about praying in tongues. As a matter of fact, they were scared of those things. Scared. And many of them, I believe, with all their heart, were against those things. Saying, well, I don't believe in it. That's just weird. I don't understand that. We had a crusade. I told them, listen, I'm going to get you guys to, um, I'm going to teach you how to pray for the sick and how to testify, and then you're going to go and do it. I'd never told them that they lack any power. I never told them that they needed anything. I told them about the power of this word. And if they share this word, that word is empowered. Then I also told them that they have already got that power inside them. When they pray for the sick, they will see signs, wonders and miracles. I'd send them out. I said, go. You know what happened? Nobody prayed for anybody. They never believed me. That's what they did. Then the evening I thought, well, I'm going to get you. The evening, it was the Miracle Crusade, if you want to call it like that. We had a crusade, it wasn't a Miracle Crusade, it was just a crusade where we shared the gospel of Jesus Christ. I said, those of you that are sick that needs prayer, 
you see these young people, and I let them all stand up, I said, they are going to pray for you, and just before that I prayed for somebody with crutches, she threw away a crutch and she got healed, I said, they possess the same power as what I have got, for they've got the same word in them, and the same spirit in them. You know what, they didn't even feel it. They were just, uh, their eyes became big like this. Because there came more people with wheelchairs and uh, crutches and deaf people and whatever people with kids that cannot walk, they're coming forward. And now these people that has never laid their hands on people once, it's now going to heal them. In Jesus' name. <laughs> they were so scared. I remember the, the Duomeni, he came, the way he preached was, Oh Daddy Jesus, please help me Daddy Jesus. Oh, Daddy Jesus, please help me, Daddy Jesus. Amen. And the woman with arthritis hands that was like this, those hands was in his hands. When he opened his eyes, they were straightened. He couldn't pray for anybody anymore because he was crying too much. And the next day, they were in the streets all the time. You see, the thing is, they've always walked with a power they never knew it. Because there's always this thing of disqualifying them. Oh yeah, you, you're part of a church where they don't pray in tongues and they don't believe in the anointing, so you've got no anointing. Disqualifying them. I've been part of people disqualifying people like that. But we can't disqualify people. We're not in the message of disqualifying people. We're in the message of saying how qualified people are in Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus. We are not a servant of sin. If you are somebody going around uh, telling people you, you, uh, the, 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 their shortcomings all the time, you are, st- you are making them, you are enforcing the sin message, and you are yourself still a servant of sin. The gospel of grace has set you free, my friend. You are free. You can stop it now. Amen. And go with great joy. When you look at people, you know, let me tell you something. If I preach to you, and I say to you, if you go to a meeting where they teach on healing, what are you going to get? You're going to get healing. If I teach you on the prophetic, and you go to a prophetic school in the gospel of grace, what's going to happen? You're going to start a prophesy. You're going to get prophecy. If I take you to a place where I teach you the gospel of grace and the power of the love of God, what are you going to get? You're going to feel the love of God. If I take you to a place where I teach you what you must still do to get the anointing and that you don't have it now, what's going to happen to you? You're not going to feel anointed and you're going to think you must still get it. That's what's going to happen to you. If I take you to a place where I teach you about devils, what are you going to get? A devil. That's just the way it is. So, let's not take... (laughs) That's why it's so dangerous to take uh, uh, experiences as a measurement. The Word of God is the measurement and out of that is our experience. My friend, don't... Apart from the good news. There's a message I preached on commitment. Uh, if, if you watch this in the week, make it your mission to watch the message on commitment. It's also in the Sunday archive. It is a powerful, powerful, powerful message. 
there's a commitment that there is supposed to be from our side towards this gospel. God gave His Son for us that we can be saved. We believe this gospel and we are committed to this gospel only. And anything that comes outside of this gospel, we throw it away. Amen. You might say, but Bertie, can't we make mistakes? Can't we? Listen, I, I, make, I make mistakes. I make mistakes. Somebody once said to me, Bertie, you know, you look so perfect, you know. <laughs> you, you, it's as if we are living in this normal world and you're living in another world. Well, I live in a normal world, just like you. And I also see mistakes in my life as well, you know. But my mind... And my consciousness is not in this world. My mind and my consciousness is in heaven. That is our reality. Thank you, Jesus. You know, I've been to crusades where I see everybody get healed. I've been to crusades where I see, uh, uh, where I see thousands of people receive this truth and repent. Receive the power of God. I've been to a crusade in Shokwe, in Mozambique, which was such a difficult crusade. People didn't want to receive the gospel. When they didn't want to receive that, when we didn't see great miracles happen, you know, we didn't, we didn't go into introspection, checking what's wrong with me, because I am dead to sin. I am dead to sin. We didn't go into introspection. What I did was, what the Bible says, I dusted off my feet and went. Because they didn't want to receive the gospel. Amen. Because they were blinded by the God of this world, which is the law system. Therefore they could not partake in the life that Jesus Christ brought to them freely. For they choose to stick to the old way. Even if they hear that gospel, they feel the prompting, they resist, and then it is dead to them. Hallelujah. My friend, if you don't get healed when you pray, don't do introspection. If you don't, if you don't feel good every day, don't do introspection. The Bible doesn't say, look at your shortcomings. The Bible says, look at Christ, for you only have one life, and that is the life of Jesus. Amen. Well, we're going to go over to the communion uh, <coughs> today. <coughs> you know, when the communion is such a powerful, powerful thing that we can do that just gets our mind into what I've preached right now. The body of Jesus, if we take Romans chapter 6 there, <coughs> it says, and, and 1 Corinthians chapter 11, it's like this guy said to me, Bertie, you know, uh, healing is not for today. And I, there's a scripture in, in, um, in 1 Corinthians 11 verse 30, 29 or 30, it says, There are many of you that are weak, sick, and have died because you cannot discern the body of Christ. Now, you might say, Bertie, so that means, you know, Paul, Paul what, what Paul was saying was he's coming and he did introspection in the lives of people because the body was broken for people. They, and, and now they're not healed, so there's something wrong with them. No, no. What he said was, he didn't say there was anything wrong with that. He said to them, they don't understand the truth. That's all. He didn't go, you sinner, you this, you that, you whatever. He just said, listen, 
the reason why these things are is for you not discerning, you not truly understanding the body of Christ. His focus was not to get the sick healed. His focus was to get people to understand the gospel. When people understand the gospel, they will also see the fruit in their lives. Amen. Hallelujah. If I don't see the fruit in my life, it's not because there's something wrong with me. Let me just keep my eyes more on what Jesus Christ has done. And then there's a, there's a place where we must, we must distinguish uh, um, the power of God. The word power, the Bible says you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. That word power means empowerment by God. That power is so that you can preach the gospel. It can also manifest as signs, wonders and miracles. But it can also manifest in the form of long-suffering. For the fruit of the Spirit is also long-suffering. So when you go through a hard time financially and you don't see the miracle you want to see, don't go and say, well, I don't see this miracle right now because I am weak in my finances. It means I'm not discerning the body of Christ. No, no. You, the, the, the power might be that you feel content in that situation. And now you say, I'm not seeing the power because the only way of measuring the power of God is an, a miracle. No. <laughs> I had a, and, and you know this, I had a hernia and I had some of the great names pray for me uh, to be healed of that and I wasn't. I prayed for people with hernias and they got healed, it disappeared right there. I didn't get healed of that. In that time when I wasn't healed, the power of God worked in my life and strengthened me, and I didn't doubt my salvation. Okay? I went for an operation, and today I'm healed. But it was through an operation. Now, the good that came to me, I believe it was of God. So, I believe it's still a miracle. God still did it for me. If they, they couldn't do an operation, then I would have said, I, I, I am still the healed, and my healing would manifest in the return of Jesus Christ. So, there's also a power for that. I also believe that the, the, when we partake of the body of Jesus Christ, that it does have great effect in our lives. And if some, there's some people that don't get healed that we can't understand and reason out why. But what we do know is that partaking of the body of Jesus and seeing what it truly is and partaking of the blood of Jesus and knowing what it truly is does have an effect when it comes to healing in our lives. Amen. Hallelujah. You can take this on a daily basis. You can take this three times a day. Getting your mind into the gospel. Like I said to the one person, the more I tell people that they can be healed by Jesus Christ, the more miracles we do see. Amen. Hallelujah. So, um, if we don't talk about it, it doesn't happen. So, I want to talk to you about this, and I want you to partake of this. The Bible says his body was broken. Now, what is significant about his body that was broken? When his body was broken, the law man was broken and died. And when we eat this, we say, I partake of the death of Jesus. I partake of the doctrine that says, the law is dead and I don't live for sin anymore. And the curse that was upon the law that brought sickness to my life is broken. 
I am healed, I am content, I am prosperous, I am joyful, and not just the fruit of that. Not just, we say those things, and that's a very small measure of it. But the greatest thing is to say that the law has got no effect on my life anymore. I am free from condemnation. And I stand holy before God. And when you eat this, the Bible in John chapter 6, when we eat Him, then He will be in us and we will be in Him. When I eat this, this bread goes into my body. And the, the energy that's in this bread will be in every fiber of my being in an hour from now or whatever. In the same way, when we eat this, we say, we partake and we say, that Christ Jesus is in every fiber of my thought pattern, of my being, of everything that I am. I am. The grace message is part of everything in me. The gospel message of what is done, His obedience is my obedience in every part of my being. Hallelujah. The, the blood of the covenant, my sin has been washed away. I have no more sin ever again. When I drink that, I say, I partake of that. And my whole being is flooded with that mindset and that belief. And out of that, we see a true manifestation of God in our lives. Amen. Hallelujah. So I want to say to you, take that piece of bread, break it. And when you eat it, I want to say, let's eat together. This is His body that was broken for you. Take eat of it. It is His body. When you eat it, you partake, of his, you, you partake in His death. We are proclaiming His death, the death of the law man. Amen. Let's eat together. When you eat that, be mindful of how it enters your body and what Christ has done for you and how He has entered your life how He strengthens every being, how this gospel strengthens every part of your life. In Jesus' mighty name. I rebuke cancer, I rebuke HIV AIDS, I rebuke every type of sickness. In Jesus' mighty name. I also say that the law is lifted off the minds of people in the name of Jesus Christ, that that they are not servants of sin anymore. In Jesus Christ. Sin condemning people, disqualifying people. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. In the same way, he took the cup and he thanked. Father, we are grateful and we thank you for your body and your blood. We are so grateful for this. In Jesus' mighty name. He thanked God and he said, Take of this, this is the cup of the New Testament. In this is complete forgiveness of sins. So when we partake of this, when we drink, what do we say? We say, I am completely forgiven of all sin and the consequences of sin. Amen. Thank you. And out of that we find healing power flow. We see all those things in Jesus' name. Thank you, my God. Let's drink together. Amen. (coughs) Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just just be conscious of how sinless you are before God. So many times our worries of sin is what brings sickness to our bodies. But when we live a stress-free life, we find that we live much healthier in this life. 
Thank you, my God. Thank you that wherever we still see a shortcoming, we know that perfection in our bodies is in the return of Jesus Christ. But thank you that the access for the access we have, my God, into the power of the world to come. In Jesus' name. And we're tasting that right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Well, thank you so much that you have slotted into this broadcast. I want to <coughs> encourage you to do the work of an evangelist. Like Paul said to Timothy. He says, Timothy, do the work of an evangelist. Um, evangelist is spreading the gospel of good news. Send the link of Dynamic Love Ministries to as many people as what you can. Other websites where grace is preached, send those links to people. Go onto Facebook, start to invite friends, start to sh- put, put out daily devotionals. Do whatever you can. Let's share this gospel. You don't have to wait for an anointing. You are the anointed of God. Go and walk in this power. Amen.